Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Peaky Vibe, Peaceful Life. My name is Lauren Mazadonsky. And my name is Michelle Moss, and I'm so happy to have Lauren back today. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi. I know. I'm so bummed I missed last week. Yes. Lindsay Buckingham from Channel 3 News did a wonderful um, peek into her personal and career life, which is very interesting. And you missed it. And I'm going to connect you guys because you definitely have some parallel things with being um, divorced women at the time with single, I mean, with couple of kids and, and babies aged and trying to get through all that. So um, it was a good interview. And I thank Lindsay again for, for coming on and doing that, but we definitely missed you. Um, and we're going to kind of pick up where we left off with, um, we talked about the trauma bond and how when we're unhealthy, sometimes we attract unhealthy people and we get stuck in that trauma bond of unhealthy um unhealthy love, unhealthy expectations, unhealthy interactions, a very dysfunctional dynamic. Um, And and we kind of wanted to define some types of abuse. Now we're talking relationships because that's what this particular group of podcasts are going to be about. However, um, these types of abuse can, can be um, seen in any kind of relationship. You know, it, it can be you know, we're talking about romantic relationships, but it could be with children and parents. It could be with siblings. It could be with elder abuse. It could be, you know, anything you can think of, you know, these abuse types apply to those relationships. However, ours is overarching. We're looking at romantic relationships. So, you know, when you think of abuse, you know, what's the first thing that you think of Lauren? Uh, Physical, physical abuse. Yes. Most people could identify that they understand if you come home from work um, and you have a disagreement with your spouse and they pop you in the eye, that's a physical assault. And that is an easy one to know. Um, I have not experienced physical abuse. I've, I've experienced some of these other, some of these other things that we've talked about in different relationships. Um, So can you think of anything that you've experienced that you would maybe consider abuse now, but when you were living through it, it may not have felt like abuse or you might not have recognized it was abuse. Oh, definitely. Um, I would say emotional, mental. Um, oh, there was another one I was going to mention emotional, mental, maybe like controlling that I didn't realize that some of those in the moment were a form of abuse. So when you say emotional, give me an example of just uh, something that you can think of that, you know, you kind of put up with that. Now, when you look back, you're like, well, dang, I can't. Um, I guess like putting the put downs, the name calling, calling. um, Yeah, definitely those off the top of my head. And it's interesting because um, we were talking again before we we started recording and, and Lauren said, you know, she's with a wonderful man named Chris right now. And, um, you know, some of the relationships in the past with people who might have called her names or said hurtful things, you said, what? You waited. I personally wouldn't tolerate it anymore. That's an area that I've grown that I've recognized that and I won't tolerate it. But I also now chose a man that would never call me the names that I've been called in my past. Right. Isn't that interesting? And again, that goes to us to self-growth and insight and awareness that what, what we're talking about, how we've grown, but sometimes people don't recognize that name calling is emotional abuse. Um, 
or well, something. Yeah, it's a way to shut someone down too. And I think that's why in the past, if I can think of a situation where it happened to me, I think it was like, oh, I'm going to call her this name. So she'll shut up and we don't have to talk about this hard topic anymore or a situation like that. And it also devalues you as the person, which again, then starts chipping away at your self-esteem. If you call oh yeah, if you yeah. question yourself, or I can also think of another situation is like, say I already have an insecurity that I vo- have voiced. Um, I had an ex in the past that would throw that in my face whenever he wanted to put me down because he already knew his insecurity. And that is a definite form of abuse, emotional and psychological abuse. They know your weakness. The significant other knows your weakness. And then they go for the jugular when they're feeling backed into a corner or not, you're not doing what they want you to do. Um, so again, so we've talked about the physical, we know what that is. And, and it's not just, you know, hitting and choking and things like that. It can be shoving or restraining, um, or even interfering with like your food and medicine and sleep, you know, that's still physical abuse because it's, it's affecting your physical being. Um, and then we talked about emotional and um, psychological. Abuse. I think these are so important. Like the emotional mental, like if you're even questioning something, if you have a friend that you can trust or a therapist, a coach, like somebody go to somebody that you can share it with because you know, what I noticed too, in those relationships is it will get worse. Mm-hmm. And also you, you know, in the beginning, sometimes you make excuses for the other person. Oh, they had a bad day, you know, or, or I did, you this did something. To or I, yes, I did this, that I made them mad. It's my fault when, you know, abuse is never okay. And it's never your fault because if we fall back to the healthy relationship patterns of communicating, listening to each other, having compromise and using empathy, you're, you're going to erase the, the abusive tendencies because those things will prevent that. But like you said, when somebody doesn't want to talk about something, let's just throw out some name calling or push you, push you a little bit, get you out of the way. And then that shuts you down because you're living in fear. Um, but also sometimes psychological and emotional abuse can be ridiculing or putting down your family or your siblings, you know, somebody that's personally related to you or affiliated to you um, say, or, or like, when you hear these negative things, it becomes normalized. And so changing or misleading someone about what's normal, you know, it's, this is normal. This is how, this is how it does. Or maybe you're even involved with somebody and you go to their house and you see their parental unit in engaging in abusive relationship stuff. And then it seems normalized. And then you see that your significant other is doing the same thing. Uh, Another one that just comes up when you say that is the fact of not normalizing these things because if you have children that are watching yes a son a daughter a son is going to think that's normal to go and treat his girlfriend like that or your daughter is going to go and find a man that will treat her like that like that is so huge for me and what i was looking for and why i refused to settle because it is such a big deal for your daughters or sons to go look for the healthy relationships and not think those even, you know, you think, oh, emotional, mental, like it's not that big of a deal, but it really is. Well, and sometimes I, like I, we were sort of talking about this and I'm not diminishing physical abuse. That is assault on by any means, but you know, physical abuse, if you have a black eye, it can heal. But what those scars that you get from the emotional trauma of being told you're nothing or you're devalued or that you're called names and that you internalize, it can become 
a part of who you are. You know, it's, it, it doesn't, it's hard to get it to go away. Well, and that's why I absolutely knew after my divorce, I had to heal. I had to grow. I had to strengthen my confidence and my self-esteem or else I was going to repeat the pattern of finding someone that was going to treat me in some of those same ways. Right. Cause you even said this too, before we started recording, if you would have gone out right after your divorce and got into another serious relationship, because you were a long-term partner, you know, you like those long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. And if you would have done that without giving yourself four years to, to work on yourself, um, odds are you would have found somebody that has a similar traits and characteristics because it would feel familiar, you know, Yes, absolutely. Something to, that's brought forward. And again, it would be settling. Um, another one that's, uh, sometimes people don't think about as abuse. And I know we mentioned this a while back for red flags, but somebody that's stalking or harassing you, you know, following you or, or you're out with your girlfriends or your guy friends or whatever. And, and you see your significant other cruising by in his car or her car to check on you, to see if where you're at and who you're with and what you're doing, or if you're out with your friends and your significant other calls 45 times. And or if they feel like they need to be connected, like to your phone, like how they have those like fine friend right. phone apps now. Right. I think that's weird. Like I'm all about it. Maybe when my kids are in high school and I want to track what they're doing, but for my relationship, I don't want to ever have to feel that way. Cause to me, that's a huge red flag. If you feel like you need to know what they're doing and where they're at every second. And sometimes, and I hate to say this is I'm not generalizing this, but this is something I've known from my, my own experiences and with clients. Sometimes those people that want the tracking devices and want to have the phone to know where their significant others are, are so paranoid because they're the ones ones doing it. Yes. yes, exactly. I feel, I've had that happen to me before. Um, just when someone would be so worried about you and controlling or thinking you're doing something wrong, it's because they're doing the thing. Right. And I have like 45 year old clients that are calling the parents of their significant other to lament. No, cry off. listen, if you know, that's, that's very immature. Um, emotional IQ to, to doing, doing those kind of things. You need to talk to your significant other and work through issues. Not but that kind of goes to what we talked about earlier too, with the being like a, almost addicted to the, the chaos and drama. Yes. When you've been in it for a while. Yeah. And we can kind of touch on that. We're going to talk on our next podcast about healing from these traumas and trauma bonds and getting into healthier relationships. But Sometimes we do get addicted to the trauma and the drama. When you're used to it that often, it's like, it becomes so much of your focus. Yes. And that and, when you don't have it, you're like, oh, where, where's the drama in other areas the excite- of life? It's the excitement. You know, I mean, I have a client who told me that they really do recognize that they are drawn to drama and they miss it in their healthy relationship right now. And sometimes self-sabotage because they're trying to stir up the drama or, you know, and it gets to be, you are sabotaging your healthy relationship. And I will talk about this again later, but you can spice mm-hmm. up your relationship to keep the charge. You know, you don't have to be complacent and roll over and just talk about dirty socks and laundry and the kids soccer every day. You know, you still have to have a life. Um, and then another one that kind of leads from that stalking is threats and intimidation, you know, threatening the harm. Now, maybe you've never been touched by your significant other, but they're always threatening. I'm going to lay you out or I'm going to, I'm going to take away this, or I'm going to kill your parents. I mean, you know, we're talking threats that there's nothing physical happening, but it's always the undercurrent. Or like if you leave or that kind of. Yeah. Or I'm going to kill your dog if you leave me or, you know, 
and some, sometimes even, you know, when people threaten suicide, if you leave me, I always, that, that is one of those things that's so aggravating to me because it's such a manipulation to keep mm-hmm. someone with you. And I used to work in a high school and I'd say to the girls, you know, if this, what you're going to, you're going to end up marrying this person. Cause you're going to always be afraid that they're going to kill themselves. And that's a manipulation. And can you see that and talking through that? Cause that still thunder, falls under threats and intimidation. The threat of killing themselves is, is a very, you know, manipulating, keep you in your place kind of thing. And always in fear. Cause what if I come home and they've taken too many pills or whatever? So that's, that's in another one. And then I know that Um, we've talked about this one a little bit too, the isolation, you know, we talked about this with red flags, um, where the person, from your family, from friends, yes. Wanting to keep you like to themselves, right. Not wanting you to talk to your mom on the phone or your best friend. Is that mainly just so you don't share what's going on behind closed doors and they don't talk you into leaving and like, sometimes they don't help you recognize the negative sometimes, but sometimes it goes back to that. They're probably doing something they there's sometimes they're doing something they shouldn't do so they don't trust the person so if they just control them and consume them and it, it even doesn't matter what they're doing it's like it's good for them to do whatever they want to do but they're going to control you because they want you for themselves you know there's there's going to be no access to friends and family um or it could even go as far as locking you in rooms um taking away you know telephone access um, monitoring calls. Oh my gosh. I had another client who her husband put recording devices all over the house. Um, cause he thought she was doing something oh she God. wasn't. And, you know, and he did it the first time. And then finally the second time she's like, I can't, this was finally one of the last straws, you know? Oh, and I wanted to tell, say this too. Sometimes these abuse things will happen to a wife, um, or, you know, the, the female in the, in the relationship, and it can happen to males too. I'm not, I'm not going to this say that that doesn't happen, but sometimes women will stay until the kids start getting the abuse. You know, they, they would put mm-hmm. up with it for themselves, but if, if somebody lays a hand on their kid or starts belittling, sometimes that's enough to say, I can't do this because I have to protect my children. I couldn't protect myself, but I have to protect my children. And sometimes they don't leave even with that. You know, that's that hard thing when you start seeing your kids um, being the, the brunt of that. Um, another one is, and and this is one that people don't always recognize financial or economic abuse, controlling the money, um, stealing money, hiding money, um, making financial decisions without, you know, like I said, communication, compromise, and empathy. You get together to talk about things. You just don't go out and buy, a new car or this or that without talking it through or get mad if they spend $50 and you know, you're controlling. I had a client who um, had a baby with her boyfriend and they were, he moved her out of the area. So they were living further away and she was taking care of the child. And he said he was going to take care of her while he paid all his bills, but never paid her bills. She had no way to get, she had no way to pay her bills because she was raising their child. And she had so much anxiety and and depression and stress because she felt trapped. I mean, here I am, I've got this newborn baby. I'm, I'm trying to take care of this household. I've got all of the responsibility and I'm getting, not my needs aren't being met. It's very scary. When you think about being put in that position. Oh, I can't imagine. 
But I think people don't recognize financial abuse, economic no. abuse is abusive. That's what I mean. Because I think, yeah, you're right. It's just so much like the first thing you think of, like when you asked me that was just the physical. And that's why it's, you know, so important to take these into consideration. And if any of these have happened, and if you have nobody to reach out to, you can always reach us out to us in email or on our social media. Um, because if you don't recognize these, like I said, it can get worse. It can go into other forms of abuse. Mm -hmm. Well, and the next one's another one that sometimes people don't necessarily see as abusive. They feel that it's, it's a duty, but sexual abuse or harassment, that's like forcing sex acts, forcing certain things that maybe the, the person isn't comfortable with, um, criticizing behavior, putting down, you know, the activity or the way you looked or whatever, um, you know, it can still be rape if, if your significant other forces you to do something you're not wanting to do. And I think, again, sometimes in the confines, especially of marriage, people think, oh, well, you know, I have to do that. Not, and I'm not talking about those days where you're tired, but you still roll over and you, you have sex. You know, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I'm talking about where it's coercion, it's forced, it's painful, it's scary, it's intimidating, and you don't have control. So again, keeping that in mind. Um, and then another one, this final one, I mean, there's a lot of other different kinds, but this is the, these are the top ones we were going to talk about is property destruction. You know, um, destroying pictures or breaking furniture or ripping up clothes or throwing things out on the yard. I mean, that, I think that's a pretty obvious one, but, you know, again, sometimes people get into that. Well, I deserve that. I, I did something to make them mad or, you know, it wasn't his fault or, you know, they weren't thinking or, or, or the big one, oh, they were drunk. You know, a lot of bad things can happen when somebody's under the influence and that in itself is a very scary position to be in because you never know what's going to happen, right? Well, another thing, when you have these kind of situations, if you even if you just recognize like, um, okay, this isn't normal. He threw my stuff on the yard, whatever. Don't just overlook it. Have a conversation. I think sometimes I would do that out of insecurity in my past relationship of one of my dating relationships um, because I knew I wasn't strong enough to leave. So it was easier just to ignore the situation to where, I don't know, maybe it was just that person, but maybe if I would have set boundaries and been stronger that it wouldn't have continued. I don't know. Right. And again, I think, again, as a therapist, I believe people can change. So if you start off on some of these lower, you know, um, mm -hmm lower risk abuse type things. People can go to a therapist and, and work on their own part and owning their own part and, and can grow and move and evolve. Um, but it definitely takes some work. It's just not going to go away yeah. ignoring it for well, sure. Well, it's easier for me to ignore because I was like, oh, well, if I bring it up, if I don't get the reaction that I want or have the conversation that I want and I have to leave and I wasn't strong enough to do that. So it's easier just to be like, I'll let this one pass and let it go. And then another one would come along, you know? It's so funny too. I, when I think back to my first boyfriend, I mean, it was a trauma bond. So there, there were so many types of abuse, you know, but it was my first 
the, you know, traditional first love and, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was emotionally abusive. And again, when I look back at it, he had his own self-esteem issues, his own broken family, his own crap that he brought to the table. And I was the people pleaser fixer. So yeah, they feel like emotional and mental, but they can do that to beat you down. So you don't leave, right. They don't do the right things to keep you. They can just abuse you to make you not feel like you can go find better. And I literally, literally was so entrenched in that. It took me five years to get out of that relationship. You know, that was 16. Yeah. And, you know, it just was, a, it was a lot to, to move through. And, and I remember being emotionally abused. I remember him shoving me around a little bit. So that moves into the physical, you know, and I didn't think it was, I wouldn't have called it physical abuse at the time because it was not, I didn't get hurt, but that intimidate bumping or shoving, yeah. you know what I mean? When he's mad and yelling at me um, again, like you said, there is no way that this woman here will be putting up with that stuff. But having said that, I also know it's really hard to get out of the trauma bond cycle. And it's also hard to get out of the abuse cycle, you know, and all of these abuses can have that abuse cycle pattern where the tension is building and, and the abused person is always walking on eggshells. And then there's a blow up, something happens. The abuser starts an abuse cycle of one of these kind of abuse And then the abuser might feel guilty or bad or not want them to leave. So then they try to give the person flowers or candy Mm -hmm. or let's go on a trip or here's some jewelry. And then for a moment, you know, that's why I ended up hating flowers. Cause I feel like from my past of some, a terrible dating relationship, I felt like that was the only time I got them was never for like a good reason. So it was like makeup. Like, here's this, let's make it. I'm like, I don't, I don't want those kind of flowers. Right. Right. And again, then, then in that moment, when you're getting those flowers, you have the top position as the abused person and the abusers praying that you're not going to leave and trying to keep you in this cycle until guess what tension builds. And then there's another blow up. So that's the abuse cycle. And we've talked about that before. Um, but learning and, and growing and seeing these things, you know, we're not saying, I mean, we're, we're admitting we've both been through abusive relationships. Yeah. Uh, and even in Absolutely. my own, in my own marriage, there's been some things that have occurred over our 33 years that aren't great, but we've worked through it and we've both owned it and we've both moved forward. Um, but it, no matter where you are in your relationship, you know, seeking help is the first thing, like you said, reaching out to a friend or a therapist or a coach or. Absolutely. If you just question something like it with those forms that you don't necessarily always think are abuse, just to tell someone a situation, be honest about it because you you don't want it to get worse and you don't want it to beat you so far down that you have to, you know, rebuild yourself up. And that is, it's hard, but you know, that was definitely a proud moment for me was taking the time to rebuild that. Yeah. And again, saying to one of your friends or family members or sister or whatever, is this normal? Yeah. Seem normal to you. But also make sure you choose your person wisely, right? If someone Uh, else is in a miserable situation, they're probably going to tell you not what you need to hear. Or if you're a person who attracts abusive people, they could then use that against you or hurt, try to hurt you and perpetuate the cycle of abuse, even in friendships. Cause you know, you can have abusive friends. Like I said, this isn't just romantic. Um, this can be any relationship that you're in. I can think of some friends that I've had some, um, interesting, cycles with, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think if you reach out, try to reach out to somebody you can trust so that you're not, uh, but that's a hard part because you don't trust people and you've been isolated a lot of times. So it's yeah. very scary to take that first step, but sometimes it's even, you know, there's some, um, 
online chat rooms or online uh, phone or phone calls you can make that's anonymous so that you can kind of just go through some things and see. Um, and we definitely have the domestic shelter in our area. Um, you know, maybe we can put that phone number out there when we do our post for this, but. Um, yeah, I think there's one more too that I thought was interesting. We kind of talked about before was the, the elderly. Cause I've heard people talk about this within families of when, you know, elderly people um, are being taken care of or have dementia and there's different family members. Maybe there's the one that's taking the money or isolating them from the rest of the family so they can get stuff. And, and that is really sad to me. That's heartbreaking. I, I've definitely heard stories of that. And I don't know. What are yeah. your thoughts? I, I literally just heard on the news about, you know, the hurricane that just went through and, and they moved this group of elderly people out of this nursing home into a, a facility to keep them safe, but they were being horribly, horribly abused in, in not taken care of. And there's a whole investigation going on, but you know, in other cultures, this is a whole nother podcast, but in other cultures, our elderly are seen like Eastern cultures are the top of the hierarchy, the wisdom, the knowledge bears, the, the bearer of all the, all the stories of the family. And they're, they're revered and respected and put at the top of the pecking order. And in Western culture, a lot of times they're not seen in that way and shipped off. And I'm not saying hundred percent. I'm just saying, as I've studied this in school and we've gone through some of these things, you know, and in, in my own experiences, going to visit my grandparents or my parents. And then oh, I hate when you hear stories of nursing homes that breaks my heart, but I think even just within the own families, I've heard um, other stories from people that I know of, you know, like I said, people taking money or yes. And, yes. and that's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, money can corrupt. We've talked about that. That's a whole nother one too. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I just really quick, I want to run back through these um, types of abuse that we discussed today, physical abuse, isolation, psychological, emotional abuse, stalking and harassing threats and intimidation, economic or financial abuse, sexual abuse, harassment, and property destruction. Again, that's just the tip of you know, the, the main ones and some of those that people don't necessarily see as abusive. Um, but check yourself and check your relationship. And even if they're not full on abuse, there might be some tendencies there that would be good fodder for conversation with your significant other. So anything, anything that you gathered from that or were surprised about or um, anything you want to add? No, not really. Okay. Nothing all right. Well, um, I hope that was some good education for our listeners. And the next one we are going to discuss. I guess I do have one more thing that just from your, your side of therapy. Um, what if you recognize one of these, say it's your, someone in your family, a couple, and it's a holiday and you recognize that, like, do you, recommend someone confronting one of them having a conversation how does that go because I feel like sometimes when you point that out to someone that maybe they kind of then shun you because they don't want to hear it you know sometimes it's it might even just be something subtle like um hey I read this article about about abuse and I, I it just I thought maybe you'd want to read it I mean sometimes confronting confronting in in, yeah. the, in itself is not going to go well and and also yeah. they're going to be protective and then that will give the abuser all the more reason look your family's trying to tear us apart I told you they're bad or whatever yeah. um, so being very gentle about it maybe um, 
you know, in giving them some reading materials or talking about something you read or saw um, and doing it in a loving so way. So just kind of giving them the tools, more recommendations than necessarily pointing it right. out. Because you know what? You might alienate them and then that would be even worse. Um, yeah. And they, and it's, and they, a lot of times I think they do know they're in an abusive situation, but they don't know how to get out. So that so does you recognizing that, would that make them more insecure or what you're saying? It would just isolate. So then they feel like then you won't recognize it or you won't be, have the ability to see it. Yeah. I think it's going to be different for every case. Yeah. I think um, it's hard to, I mean, I, if it was somebody I knew and loved, I would probably say something in a gentle way. Um, yeah without being like, you need to leave him now. I mean, that's yeah. not going to fly because they're going to be like, back off sis. I'm going to pick, you know, because I remember even when my parents tried to get me to break out with my first boyfriend. Um, the minute they said that, guess what I was doing? I was clinging all the more to him, you know? Yeah. So it's just, it's almost- well, I guess I just wondered because of like how we said so many of those forms, you may not recognize. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's, if you have that conversation or if someone does bring it to your attention, you know? Yeah, I mean, things to say, like, how can I support you, you know? Yeah. Um, or have you ever thought of this, you know? Or how does this make you feel when you're in this situation? You know, they're very soft questions, but- when open-ended. Open-ended and to the point, you know, maybe it'll start there, the kernels of thought for them. Um, yeah, that's a hard, that's, it's a really hard one. Now, if, if you see somebody abusing their kids, then you call children's services because it's different. Yeah. It's really different. Anybody under 18, if they're being abused, um, then that has to be reported to children's services. Um, but adults, you know, if a client tells me their husband hit them, you know, I can encourage them to file a police report, but it's not something I'm mandated to, you know, to, to share. Um, so that's a whole different thing too. So if you ever see a kid in any way, shape or form being abused, you must call children's services and they have to be protected. Even if it's your sister or whoever, your best friend. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's a lot there. Um, and maybe we'll do a class and go dive deeper into some of these things. Um, but a little bit of education today, hopefully, um, hopefully there was something there you could take from, um, to our listeners. So as always stay cheeky. <laughs> <laughs>